going green. Yeah, it was a year, uh, probably two or three years ago. I'll look it up. You know Scotty Miller went there? Really? I did not know that. Well, yeah, they've, got, a, they've got like an all-pro player out of Bowling Green, and Scotty Miller's sick. <laughs> I like their quarterback transferred to Auburn, and now he's in the pine. It's my favorite when these quarterbacks think they can play at Auburn and they transfer. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeMoney.com NFL Strategy Show, Week 9 Ownership and Top Stacks Edition on this wonderful Wednesday. Well, wonderful, I guess, depending on on who you are. Uh, We're not getting into that. I'm saying it's a wonderful Wednesday because we're talking football. No other reason. I'm also here with Matt Kajeski and Kyle Dvorak, breaking everything down. I'm Dave Lochran, and we've got a lot to get into today. Um, last week, however, Matt, we'll just dive right into this one. Last week, and we're going to add a little segment to the show today, kicking it off with uh, last week's ownership review, just to get an idea of where everything landed. Uh, last week, if you were on the chalk, heavy, probably a good chance you didn't have the best Sunday. It's true, and I've, I've been thinking about this all week, all weekend, Lafayette. The first person to put me on to Dalvin Cook was you, and you're like, I don't know if this ownership sticks. I don't know if it's going to stick throughout the week, and it did, and I'm going into the weekend just like, is this the Dalvin Cook smash bot? And I just remember your call. It was a phenomenal one. Kyle, I'm pretty sure you played a lot of Dalvin Cook too, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, I had a, a pretty good week. Uh, like, we can talk about, like, one mistake I made that I guess I'll throw back to you guys. I, like... I just didn't play really any Patrick Mahomes, which was the problem. And I think it was specifically the problem because every single total plummeted, like every implied team total plummeted, except like the Chiefs. So you got so much equity by just jamming in Chiefs. They were the only team projected to score over 30 points by the end of the, uh, by lock. So I think that was a big process error on my part, but getting a lot of Dalvin Cook wasn't getting Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf all worked out. So it was a good, but unfortunately not uh, uh binking week. We're happy to have all of you guys with us as always. I don't know who was up late following along last night. Uh, I didn't personally get a ton of sleep myself, but we're here. Uh, And guys, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, I know Matt probably went to sleep at like 8 p.m. Because that's just what he does. Got up at 3 a.m. But yeah, listen, guys, if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, uh, you did. You helped us huge. You pushed us over 40,000 subscribers in a big way. Uh, But it's not just for us. When you subscribe to the channel, more of our shows show up in your recommended feed. Uh, it's easier not to forget about us. And why would you want to forget about us? We're pumping out free content on the regular. I think the best in the business. So hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Hit that thumbs up. And if you want to know when our new stuff is dropping, get alerted for it. Hit that notification bell as well. All right. So, Matt, let's go Let's go straight to ownership from last week. And then we'll get into this week. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I think it's good to at least make a quick review Um outside of the Monday show that I do with Adam Scherer and Josh Ingeman, where we really dig into that. So the highest known running backs in week eight were Kareem Hunt. I'm using the Millie maker on DraftKings. Kareem Hunt at 34.6, Jamal Williams at 34, Derrick Henry at 28, and Alvin Kamara at 18. Fantasy production, Kamara was, or uh, Kareem Hunt had 9.3 fantasy points, huge disappointment. Jamal Williams, 18.2. It was fine, but at that elevated price point, wasn't great. Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara uh, had 22 or 20.2 and 25.3, respectively. When we're looking at running back ownership in particular, I always try to think about this in terms of like opportunity costs. Like, what did I give up to play someone like Alvin Kamara? Last week in particular, I think there was a lot of opportunity costs and a lot of pivot points and options at at different price points in the prior week when we had Giovanni Bernard and Jamal Williams near the minimum price, I thought opportunity cost, you know, wasn't quite as high. Like I think we wanted to jam in those guys for the most part, especially in low risk contests. But in this particular week, getting off of someone like Camara or, or Derek Henry to get to Dalvin cook was really profitable. Nice contrarian play. 
In the same game with Kareem Hunt, we had Josh Jacobs at a fraction of the ownership. And that was a tightly contested game, even in the spread ahead of time. So I think that was a solid pivot too. I personally played a lot of Jamal Williams, so I'm going to have to to eat the L there. He did not end up getting there. I think just that that game script, that Minnesota getting up early in that game really hurt Jamal Williams. And actually, you know, A.J. Dillon played more than I thought he was going to. It wasn't a ton, but I wasn't expecting to see much of him. But overall, the week, I thought I had a lot of pivots. I had quite a bit of Jamal Williams as well. I just realized, by the way, you're not wearing a hat today. First time I've seen you with without the forwards cap on. So, uh, okay, doing things a little bit different, Kyle. We've got wide receivers, too. If you want to touch on running backs, go for it. But I will rattle the wide receivers off. Uh, Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, Devontae Adams, and A.J. Green. Um, you know, like, I, I guess the question here really is when you're looking at this, you can make the argument, oh, they were fine. But also make the argument that it, that insane ownership for a lot of these guys, fine isn't going to get it done. And Allen had... Uh, 21-7. Again, pretty solid. Brandon Ayuk really definitely got it done, 23. Devontae Adams got it done at 30. A.J. Green had 3.9. So the wide receivers at chalk positions definitely paid off a little bit more than than the running backs so far. Yeah, so I'll touch on running backs real quick because I do have one point to make on Kareem Hunt. It's, you know, kind of interesting that people didn't really get off of everyone. Like, they got off of all of the guys. Derek Carr came in as our highest projected owned player at the beginning of the week. That fell and was correctly predicted as like, you know, hardly top 10. Same thing with a lot of the other guys in the game. The weather scared everyone off of all these guys but Kareem Hunt. And sort of it makes sense because you think like more rush attempts, like he's a guy who can get low eight on targets. But at the end of the day, what we want to focus on more than anything is running backs who can score a lot of touchdowns. When your game total drops by 10 points, that drastically decreases the odds of scoring touchdowns. It's kind of the same thing with defense plus running back correlation. Like there is a median amount of correlation there that's greater than like, you know, running back versus opposing defense or running back versus opposing quarterback, whatever, maybe. But it doesn't give you that high-end level of correlation because when a defense has such incredible success, short gives your running back more rush attempts, but it probably also means that it's not a game environment with a lot of scoring. And at the end of the day, I still want running backs who play in shootouts. I just want them to score all of the points in the shootout. So I think we should be more hesitant at playing like high volume but low upside when you look at the game total running backs. And Hunt was like the perfect example of that. Moving wide receiver, wide receiver's kind of been a much more efficient market in terms of the ownership predicting success. Adams, I don't want to say luck boxes because you shouldn't project Adams to not score a lot of touchdowns, but kind of luck boxes with three scores and a game that he didn't do a ton elsewise, at least in terms of Devontae Adams standards. I mean, uh, I think, you know, 20, like 20% ownership for Adams, maybe at his price was a, a bit too high, but I don't think it was that bad. I do chalk wide receiver kind of made sense. The, the game script set up perfectly for them to be passing a lot against a terrible defense. Keenan Allen is getting up there. And I do think when you look at like, the increasing price on Keenan Allen, if he's going to be, you know, owned in a third of teams, Mike Williams will continue to be an interesting leverage spot. Also, like getting different with your Keenan Allen, like play some Mike Williams and Justin Herbert, play some weird opposing receivers. Like I had, I had like Albert Okuebunum, I believe is how you say it, Albert Okuebunum, because I thought Keenan Allen. I that pronunciation yesterday because I looked it up on YouTube and now I don't remember it. I think it's Alberto Kuabunum, uh, I believe. I, I'm like 90% sure. It's that, a so. Kuabunum, yes. But the G is actually pronounced, I believe. Okuabunum. Okay, okay, got it. So Albert Okuabunum is like was an interesting run back option, as was like Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, all of these guys who, if you're going to play a, a chalky wide receiver like Keenan Allen at like a third of the field or a little over a quarter, I do think you have to focus on getting different. You could probably say that with a lot of the chalk, maybe less so at running back. So if receiver chalk is going to be continually more efficient, I think it's okay to lean into that a little bit, but then correlate it in other ways that will be unique, like a Noah Fan or an Albert O last week, different place this week. Great stuff, yeah. And look, the only reason I wanted to go over this is, is just to, to give everyone an idea of why we do this Wednesday show. Like, the, we, we do this Wednesday show because it, there's going to be times where we say, you know what, I still really like this guy uh, and I, I don't care how high owned he is. We're going to get that in many instances. Other spots, we say, hey, like Derrick Henry in many cases, this is a good spot to get away from. Uh, if he doesn't have two pl- uh, multiple rushing touchdowns, if he doesn't do it on the ground, you're probably going to be uh, oh, underwhelmed with him all in all. So th- that's why you look at this and, and you see some spots where Chalk didn't hit and a couple spots where it did. I- I'll close it out with this. Janu Smith was the highest owned tight end. He stunk 17%. Uh, Kittle wasn't very good. Darren Waller wasn't very good. 
course, Kittle got hurt. But leading up to that point, he still struggled. Although Dwelly got the touchdown, which was tilting. Um, Joe Burrow, Jimmy Garoppolo, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes, uh, sorry, and Justin or Aaron Rodgers were your guys in the double digits. Matt, just quickly, I want you to hit on this. The, the, the Jimmy Garoppolo game was, was absolutely brutal, again, even before he came out of that one. Patrick Mahomes, though, very solid game. Wilson, almost 30 fantasy points, solid game. But Joe Burrow and Jimmy Garoppolo, the two highest-owned players, had a combined 21 fantasy points. So, again, this is why being able to differentiate, make some pivots, not always have to go crazy, maybe even attack certain games in a different way and and, and do things differently to get away from chalk but still having exposure to that game could be so important. Yeah, you bring up great points. I, I think it's okay to eat some chalk. And we, we last week in particular, we just saw a lot of chalk busts, like cheap Jimmy Garoppolo week. That didn't get you there. But, you know, if you ate chalk in other spots like Devontae Adams, you were fine. And I think there's ways to be contrarian around it, even playing, you know, like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, throwing Dalvin Cook on the other side for a full game stack. That Dalvin Cook part makes you pretty contrarian in the context of your entire lineup. So that's kind of how I would approach it each time. Think about your lineup as a whole, not just the individual plays. All right, let's move it on, Kyle. Let's talk chalk and pivots. That's what we're here for, for week nine slate. When we get to the running back position, and we're going to do quarterback at the end when we talk uh, top stacks because it's just easier to, you know, to parlay the ownership information we have into the stacks as a whole. When you're talking about running backs, though, Dalvin Cook coming off a monster week. We have him projected at the top at 25.4%. But there's a huge caveat here. And that is that Christian McCaffrey, according to Matt Rule, is hopeful to play. Now, they said the same thing last week, so I don't know if that's going to be the case. However, if Christian McCaffrey plays, and we have him projected at only 2% ownership right now, Alex Baker, Osimo, who built these ownership projections, will do that when guys are questionable or not certain to play. At 8,500, if Christian McCaffrey plays, his ownership is undoubtedly going to be up at probably 15 to 1,800 less than he should be in many cases. So I do think that'll throw a wrench into the works, and you'll see a lot of things begin to move if McCaffrey's ruled active throughout the week. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting, like, like, can we just hope that it happens very late in the week? Because if it happened, like, right now, I think it would give everyone who's like hand building lineups and not paying quite as close attention that would be enough time to really get his ownership up to probably 30 percent or yeah. more because frankly christian mccaffrey at 8.5k like you said at least a thousand if not 15 to two thousand cheaper than he should be he would be the chalk of all chalks and at that point i don't know i wouldn't like hate a, a soft christian mccaffrey fade because there are like outs to him failing we'll talk about it too much but basically like we had we could see some mike davis we also could see like a very difficult matchup for the panthers and an awesome chiefs defense if they're not putting up points like it's just not going to be enough to get it done but if he does end up being probably anywhere below 20 percent owned you know christian mccaffrey at 8500 i would probably just jam him in and uh dalvin cook a really interesting spot like it is uh, like coming off of an absolutely monstrous game, kind of the the ultimate uh, like buying last week's production. But the volume has always been there is the thing. Like you haven't been buying unsustainable production outside of touchdowns. He still gets a decent amount of work as a receiver and obviously gets the bulk of the rushing work. So I wouldn't hate him, although I think there are probably it's just another spot where there are good enough leverage plays off of him that I think you could get off of him. I don't think he's like a solid jam in fade like I, I feel anytime we see Derrick Henry over 30 percent. Right. No, I, that's exactly right. I, I feel the same way. Now, coming back from injury after, what was it, a six-week hiatus, uh, I think could suppress his ownership a little oh, bit, Matt. Please. Uh, like, if it was 8,500 and this was just a regular Christian McCaffrey week, then there would be the, the ownership would be through the roof. But it is interesting, though, that Mike Davis, right? And, and, and I mentioned this on the first look show yesterday with Sal Vetri and Ben Rasa. By the way, we do these shows seven days a week, 11 Eastern. On Sunday, we go from nine all the way up to one. So be sure to join us every day. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And, then, you know, we break everything down. We got a little process going here. Mike Davis's last two games have been the worst performances since he took over the starting role for the Panthers, Matt. 8.6 and 8.7 fantasy points, respectively which just lends more credence to the idea that when Christian McCaffrey comes back, Mike Davis might have a role. Matt Roll even said he might line him up as a receiver. But McCaffrey should take over as the top dog very quickly, which, you know, should make a big difference in terms of ownership. But it'll be interesting to see what happens for week nine. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like Christian McCaffrey, 
I don't think there's any questioning his role in this offense, even though Mike Davis, I mean, he performed admirably in his status, especially in the beginning part, but I still think, you know, a healthy Christian McCaffrey, like when we saw him this year, he had 27 and 23 touches. He's the premier pass catching back in the NFL, like arguably on the same plane as Alvin Kamara. So at 8,500, if the ownership remains intact, I'm going to have my fair share. Matt, let me stick with you here for a minute. Jeff Williams asked, do I think McCaffrey will be on a snap count? I don't know. Honestly, if he's practicing throughout the week, I want to say no. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we should know that. I, I, my assumption early on is no. But um, the one that really stands out to me, Matt, is, is James Conner. I came into this just taking a cursory look at it yesterday and even Monday night saying, man, James Conner against this Cowboys defense that has been absolutely gutted by every team they faced on the ground. You don't need to know football or even know how to dig into advanced analytics to know that this Cowboys run defense is one of the worst we've seen. And I know they got some some reinforcements at linebacker, understood, but even Boston Scott gassed them up the middle every opportunity he had last week, and the guy's four foot one. So Connor only 15% ownership right now actually seems a little bit low to me I anticipated him being one of the highest owned running backs in the top two or so. Yeah. One thing I think that could flip here is we see James Robinson, who's literally 100 more than James Conner. I think the ownership probably flips between these two throughout the week. You know, James Conner, I mean, first of all, Dallas is, they're allowing the third most yards per attempt to opposing rushers. Like you mentioned, James Conner's quietly had a very nice opportunity share. He's currently averaging 18.9 touches per game, which is a little depressed considering he missed some time in the beginning of the year. In his last four games, he's had at least 18 touches in all of them. And this Pittsburgh team, they're not exactly one of the pass heaviest teams in the NFL. They're, they're basically just middle of the pack here. I expect James Conner to handle just a massive workload. If they get up as they should, they're near two touchdown favorites. Yeah, what about you, Kyle, when you talk about some of these other guys with uh, David Johnson up there at 21% against Jacksonville, Josh Jacobs, who has been dismal from an efficiency standpoint at 20%, and then James Robinson, James Conner round out that top five. Yeah, so uh, in terms of like James Robinson, uh, like James Conner, I think both are, are perfectly fine plays. They're basically very similar players. Like Ray, maybe Robinson has a slight lean as a pass catcher, but the matchup is so advantageous for Conner. And if this ownership holds, which I agree, I think I'd be a bit surprised if Conner doesn't come in as more popular by the end of the week than Robinson. But if the if the ownership does hold, I'll probably have I'll probably have a ton of James Conner. If it flips to twenty percent, I still think he's a fine play. Twenty percent isn't awfully egregious. Uh, like Josh Jacobs is probably the easiest fade out of the bunch for me yes. because he's going to be an underdog versus a Chargers defense. He's not like an avid pass catcher and his team doesn't project to score a ton of points. I don't think he is by any means a bad play at 6,300. His volume is is more than commensurate for that price. But there are so many routes to a guy like him failing, whereas like James Conner, like we, there has been no reason, absolutely no reason to believe in any stretch of the imagination that Dallas is going to be like competitive moving forward. In that case, James Conner is like 20 plus carries. Right. And right. It's a good point. If you look at his total opportunities his, his or his total looks, you know, targets plus carries last week, 18, 25, 21, 18, 23, 18. And then going back to week one, he was injured, but he was carrying the bulk of the load before he got hurt. Uh, very simply here, if James Conner touches the ball 20 times against Dallas, Kyle, I don't see, I don't want to say, oh, I don't see how he fails, but I don't see how a guy with 20 plus touch or 20 plus opportunity upside against Dallas doesn't have the ability to break a slate. That, that's pretty yeah. much where I stand right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's right now, like we're, I'll talk about it in the context of the ownership we have right now, if that's the case, or even if it's close, like even if it is 20%, I, I still think he is probably one of the better plays of the slate because it's not egregious ownership. And like you said, you know, 20, 20 plus probably is like the, the, not the floor quite, but it is closer to the floor. Like I, I think he has an upward ceiling of nearly 30 total opportunities, you know, targets plus, plus carries versus Dallas is even better. His team should just run rough shot over them. And I do think it's a spot where Pittsburgh could put up a lot of points. Like I don't want these like these like low scoring games where like, yeah, I could net a few extra carries, but my team isn't projected to score a lot. Like um I don't know. There there's just a lot of spots that I think I'd rather focus on getting more touchdown equity. I think James Conner is like the ideal touchdown equity spot because his team should score so easily versus Dallas. 
One name I'll throw back to you guys. Can we finally play Derrick Henry? Our ownership has him at like less than 12%. Like I, I rag on, like my, my bit is just I come in and rag on Derrick Henry. I like, you can play him at 12%. He has slate breaking upside. I guess it's the Chicago matchup that people are afraid of. They certainly have a good defense, but like defense doesn't matter that much that Derrick Henry is a lock to be shut down by this team. It's also possibly the price, like at 300 more, you can get Dalvin Cook in a median projection. You should probably do that. But for 10% less ownership, like literally Derrick Henry has 150 and two, like he has 200 and two or three touchdown upside at 12%. Sure, jam him in. Yeah, what do you think about Derrick Henry, Matt? He's he's undoubtedly someone that we care more about ownership every week than almost anybody else. Yep. Yeah, I think it's because he's so fragile without the pass-catching role. But I don't think Derrick Henry has had quite the upside we've seen in recent weeks. He hasn't eclipsed 24 touches in four straight games. You know, he was over that mark in each of his first three games, but he's maxed out at 24 since then. That's not to say Tennessee just doesn't get up by like three scores on Chicago and then run him another 30 times, which is in the realm of possibility, but he's averaging 25.1 touches per game and he hasn't reached that mark in four straight weeks, which has me a little concerned. Okay. Yeah, it is. I guess it is a little bit concerning here. I think you can make a couple arguments and I don't want to nitpick, but playing from behind for the large stretch of that game against Pittsburgh, he's still got what 20 carries, two targets. Um, Against Buffalo, he that was after the COVID thing where they were out for a couple of weeks. And and then, um, you know, you started seeing who, – who, who was it? Um, McNichols getting the work in the fourth quarter, right, Jeremy? Yes, yeah, McNichols. And so last week they had both McNichols and Deonta Foreman, who I literally did not know was still on an NFL I didn't either. Either. I didn't either. And I loved Deontay Foreman coming into yeah. the league. Like, do you remember in his rookie season he had that, like, 50-yard reception – uh, and it was it was a huge reception early. But Kyle, I when I saw that, I thought the same thing. I didn't know he was still in the league, yeah. especially still on the Titans. Dude, I don't even know that he ever. I never even knew that he went to the Titans. I and mean, he was like a guy that I agree. I was like somewhat interested in coming out of college. And uh, yeah, I, he's completely off the radar. So I guess back to the point though. Do you make anything of both him and McNichols? I think combining for nine carries, you know, in a game where like. They, like they weren't blowing out their opponent, obviously. Uh, like that's just weird to me. I don't know if I project that to happen going forward. Do you make anything of it, Matt? It is a good question. Like, are is Mike Vrabel looking to potentially limit Derrick Henry if you know with this team looking like they've got a pretty good grip on the NF or the AFC South? Yeah, again, he hasn't had more than 24 touches in a single game in the last four. I mean, touch counts of 20, 24. 23-18. He hasn't seen over two targets in that span, so it's all coming via carries. At the same time, like you're not gonna, we just don't see running backs eclipse like 25-30 carries often in the NFL. It's more likely if they're running that much, they get two backs involved. So James Connor, or I'm sorry, Dalvin Cook, Matt, is we, we, you mentioned it at the top of the show. We all really liked him last week. Uh, he came through in some spots with single-digit ownership, which is just preposterous against Green Bay. Like, it was it was one of the more head-scratching things I've seen. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I say that now because he had a huge game. Probably would have said the same thing even if he didn't, though. Uh, he was 12% in the milli, though. But in other spots, he was 8 9%. Now you're looking at him, very popular. Again, if Christian McCaffrey is active, that will flip. I would assume Christian McCaffrey becomes the highest-owned running back. But... Um, do, does does Dalvin Cook's ownership here matter to you uh, going up against uh, this Detroit team that has been also been gashed on the ground? So right now he's just 23%, according to our it's projection. It's not that high, you're right. No, 23% is not that high. It's like 3% more than, than like, jo Josh Jacobs is nearly 22. DeAndre Swift, for whatever reason, is, is 20%. James Robinson's 21 out of those backs, I certainly think Dalvin Cook has the least fragile workload. And I think if you're going to eat some chalk up at the top, again, assuming McCaffrey doesn't just pass him off, Cook would be the guy to do it with. Kyle, one more here. Uh, and then I want to talk about a couple of pivots. We're going to go chalk pivot at each position, switch it up from last week. Uh, Mike Yoakum says, any concern with Luton at the helm with James Robinson? Seems Houston might stack the box and dare Luton to pass. Makes me a little skeptical to play James Robinson. It's a tough. It's it's tough, Kyle, because like, what other what other op options are they going to have? And if that's the case, how many times are we going to see dump off opportunities to James Robinson anyway? Yeah, He's still I think very expensive though. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
I think, uh, if anything, it's not even my concern with, like, stacked boxes facing. It's that his team won't be able to score points. And am I, am I saying I know that they won't be able to score points? I have no no clue what to make of, of Jake Lutton. I think anyone who tells you they do is, is, like, selling you snake oil, other than the fact that, like, we probably should have a very modest projection of this team because backup quarterbacks coming in obviously don't have a good track record. So I would say that is probably the biggest out to James Robinson failing is simply that the volume is there and, like, especially the market share numbers could be there. And there's just no chance of him having a good day because it turns out Jake Lutton is just Ben DiNucci light or whatever. So I do think he is probably, despite the fact that his role is incredible, he's both an awesome pass catcher, at least in his usage, and getting like the entirety. I think he leads the NFL in backfield market share. Uh, he's getting every single touch out of the backfield. It might not matter if they, if they just can't score points. So I think that is the the biggest Sent, like the biggest sign of fragility in his projection. And if he does end up coming in as the like one of the most popular backs on the slate, I would absolutely like pivot to a James Conner, who I do think ownership increases on him. But does it completely flip? If it doesn't completely flip, I would probably just like go all in on James Conner versus versus James Robinson. Even like Derrick Henry, only like 900 or more is not insignificant, but he's not that much more than James Robinson. And like his team probably projects to score a lot more points than James Robinson. So I think there are as as fragile plays in a guy like Derrick Henry versus Robinson, but with less ownership and not that much of a different of a cost. So if we do see a fifth of the field on Robinson, yeah, I'm probably under the field on him there. Matt, who would have ever thought that Ezekiel Elliott would be projected for 5% ownership at $6,600 against, now against Pittsburgh, it's clearly not an easy matchup. Uh, I think they're the second best team in the league behind Kansas City. I said last week, I anticipated they beat Baltimore. We got that one right. But now they come in here and they're very likely going to route the Dallas Cowboys. I see some discussion about Ezekiel Elliott in the chat, and I will bring him up simply because he's discounted. But this team, this offense has been incapable of operating, moving the football, you name it. And I know that, you know, from going to Danucci to to Cooper Rush may get people excited, but it shouldn't. And um, I don't know, even at 6,600, I have very little interest in Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe you have a different opinion. No, I, I also have very little interest in Ezekiel Elliott, but I, I think at some point his workload is still good. He's seeding some carries and targets now to Tony Pollard, but at some point running backs just seeing volume, I think we need to consider on the latest update, Ezekiel Elliott projected for 3.8% ownership. Like outside of that 13 touch game he had two games ago, he's been over 20 in every single game. So he still very clearly has a sizable workload here. And he has caught a lot of passes in the past. I know just one target each of the last two games. But prior to that, he had games of eight, eight, nine, seven targets. So I know he can catch the ball as well. I'm probably going to sprinkle him in just because he's so low owned. Like sub 4% is ridiculous for a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, even in the worst situation. But again, I'm with you. I don't love him. I don't see how Dallas succeeds in this matchup. Maybe I'm just a bitter cynic, Kyle. But uh, (laughs) Ezekiel Elliott without the run blocking and without a competently operating pass game, he just doesn't look like that good of a running back. You know, forgive me for saying that, but I'm just not convinced that he can manufacture these yards and, and, and fantasy points on his own doing. Like we've seen players like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley do in the past. Maybe I'm drawing a wrong comparison there, but it feels like it. Yeah, no, I think that I think the right comparison is essentially like David Montgomery or David Johnson this year, where like their volume is so far ahead of their not only of their ownership, but of their price, like both like everything looks good outside of the player and for Zeke, the offense. But I'm kind of with Matt here. If you're going to get so many touches at less than four percent owned. I'll probably have a little bit of you and I don't like, I don't feel good about it, but I have played David Montgomery on the same premise, like every week and David Johnson under the same premise every week. I can't not do that with Ezekiel Elliott. He's getting so much work and it is immensely downgraded because of his offense. But that amount of volume is very difficult to come by sub seven K and sub 4% ownership. So I think his floor is like six points or something miserable, something truly awful. He doesn't catch a lot of passes. But his stealing is still getting 25 touches. And that is, I think that's worth chasing at 4% ownership. If he was even like 10, I would be like, no, you're just buying to like right now, David Montgomery is like 11% owned. I'm not going to play much David Montgomery. If you get 4% owned David Montgomery, you know, the same thing with, I think David Johnson is like another great example. Those guys are very much in play. It's when they get popular and their fragility, their fragility comes into perspective. That's when I say they have outs to fail. I'm not going to play them. Zeke has outs to success because he could get 25 touches. So because he has so many outs to success, I do think he's worth playing at 4%. But, uh, you know, just expect that most of the time he still gets you like eight points. 
So I said the line on this game myself yesterday because we didn't have anything. And mm-hmm. I had um, <clears throat> I had the Steelers as 16-point favorites, so a little off there. I had a, the totals of 31 for Pittsburgh and 15 for Dallas. The actual totals are 27.25 for Pittsburgh. Seems quite low, if you ask me. And 13.75 for Dallas. Uh, I had the I had the over under at what I have at 40. I don't even remember. I can't find it, but it's at 41. So it's 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 low, and it's pretty much all Pittsburgh. I, I do agree, though. I talked about Montgomery yesterday that I thought, from a volume perspective, if nobody plays him, I was interested. So if we're going by that same logic, I get the Zeke play. Any other pivots that you like here, Matt, that aren't really getting a ton of attention at the running back position? Yeah, my my dude, Chase Edmonds. I don't know why people aren't interested in Chase Edmonds. We're not going to have Kenyon Drake this week. It's a pretty good matchup against Miami. Miami is allowing the fourth most yards per rush attempt in the NFL. Chase Edmonds already a solid pass catcher. I mean, just looking at his last four games, six, six, two, seven targets. That's mostly with Kenyon Drake active. Like, why is this guy coming in? Because we still, I'm looking at it now. For some reason, we still have Kenyon Drake as projected in. So that that's your answer. Okay. Well, what yeah. do you, let me ask you then, what do you think his ownership will come in as? Uh, at at 6,800. 6, I think he'll probably be 13, 14%. Yeah. So middling, are you still interested in him at that percent? Because I certainly am. Sure. Yeah, at, at home and, and what should be a close game. Miami's defense has played well, but um, yes, I, I absolutely have interest in, in Chase Edmonds. He's a good player. I think so too. Kyle, what about you? Who else stands out to you at the bottom? Or not even at the bottom, just uh, I was going to say at the bottom of the ownership projections, but pretty much anywhere at the running back position that isn't getting hefty ownership right now. Yeah, Justin Jackson, really interesting, got 17 carries, and they got they got a guy, Troy Mayne Pope. I didn't even know. Oh, my God. So I know who it is. They got, they got I believe, Gabe Neighbors, their fullback, was the random Chargers player who catches a touchdown. But Justin Jackson still led a team in carries with 17. He had five targets. He is maybe not like a three-down back in the sense of he's getting a crazy high market share, but the Chargers love to, love to run, and they play fast, and they're a mega-efficient offense, and he is going to get – a majority, if maybe a plurality of the carries and a lot of the targets out of the backfield. And he is still only 4,900. Like I can see his ownership right now. His ownership is kind of at this tier break where he's around 6%. The rest of the guys are closer to 10 who are above him. I could see that if he was at like 54, 5,500, he's still priced like he is a, like a committee back on a team that is just mediocre. He is the leading back, not a dominant market share, but the leading back on a team that just continues to put up points. I think Justin Jackson, 4,900, is one of the easiest plays to make this week. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned him. He was going to be someone that, that I talked about as well, just based on the sheer fact that the volume has been there, and I would assume the volume will be there again this week. Against Jacksonville, he was undoubtedly disappointing, and I had a lot of spots riding on him where – uh, I had, you know, in, in the late slate, just really good lineups. And then Justin Jackson only had five carries on the day. But he is going to be involved as a pass catcher. What do you have, 17 carries, I think you said last week? Or, yeah. Yeah, 17 carries. Yeah. There, there's a lot of potential for for really big games there. If you look at the rest of this, it, it's really tough because, like, someone like, – let's take J.K. Dobbins, for example. J.K. Dobbins is – the best running back on the, on the rate. That's my personal opinion. I love this kid. Uh, and I love everything I've seen from him, even coming into the league. He last week had 15 attempts, ripped off some big runs, 113 yards, average seven and a half yards per attempt. But Gus Edwards is still going to be involved, Matt. And I think, uh, I, I don't necessarily know what Ingram's status is, but I've seen that he could be held out um, past last week and through this week. If that's the case, does Dobbins against a good Colts team, but still, you know, an efficient runner, does he stand out to you if his ownership comes in extremely low? I think you can certainly look there. And we saw it last week against an efficient Pittsburgh defense. This Baltimore team wants to run. They run at the highest rate in the NFL. When they get up in games, that's just what they're going to do. Even in the fact that they get down in games, J.K. Dobbins is going to catch more passes than Gus Edwards, who's essentially a zero in the pass game. At 4,900, I don't hate it. I think his touch projection 
is something like the 12 to 15 range, unless they absolutely start blowing out Indianapolis. I think that's probably unlikely with a two and a half point spread in favor of Baltimore, but he's kind of in a weird price range at 4,900. Like the other options down there, it's a range. I'm not sure I'm trying to get to a lot. You guys, you guys just mentioned, of course, uh, excuse me for forgetting the name, but there's also Matt Breida down there. I mean, it's a weird place and I'm not sure I'm trying to get there. Okay. If we, uh, should we move the wide receiver? Want to make the transition? Or you guys got anybody else? One other note: Justin Jackson also ends up being great leverage off Thanks, of Kyle. Mega Chalk Keenan Allen. Mega Chalk, yeah, that's what you're talking about. Mega Chalk Keenan Allen and very chalky Justin Herbert. So not only does he project as a great play, but uh, like great leverage too. So just really committing myself to Justin Jackson this week. Right. Good, you know, good luck myself. All right, strong commitment here on a Wednesday. See how it works I out. <laughs> I, I I like it. I, I have no no qualms with that at all. Uh, I also have no no problem telling you guys about some of the amazing stuff we have going on at Awesomeo, uh, namely the new additions we've done to the Express Package. All of our showdown content now is added to our Express Weekly Package for everything we already had. Right, you had the Express Top Stack tool, the Lineup Builder, the rankings, and and a bunch of other stuff for for all sports. Now you've got all of the showdown content included for the Awesomeo. Uh, awesome plus express package for NFL. It's less than $4 a week, $3 and 95 cents a week. All of our showdown content, the ownership projections, player projections, the top players uh, tool, which is amazing. Uh, you, you'd have to check it out. And a lot of days, some of this stuff is free. If you wanted to come in and check that out as well, before you dive in, for example, today, the NFL rankings are free. PGA ownership projections are free. The MMA top fighters tool, all of that is free. It's usually behind paywall. But less than $4 a week, all of the showdown stuff on top of everything we already have for NFL and that package. You could do the NFL, awesome, the Platinum Weekly, which is all of our NFL content. Uh, Alex Baker, you know him as Awesome, number one ranked DFS player. He built these projections. He built the ownership. He uses these. We use these the top stack tool, and so much more. The lineup builder, you name it. All of that stuff is included. All of the amazing premium articles that guys like Matt and Kyle are writing, putting a ton of time and research into. And you know, every other sport, too. You want to sign up uh, ba- uh, basketball, baseball, MMA, UFC, PGA. If these sites have contests for it, we have content for it. Uh, and I stand by it being the best content you're going to find out there in the DFS industry. So check it out. Go to awesomeo.com slash join. There's truly something for anyone, no matter what your budget is. Uh, so, you know, you want to go the year, you want to go the month, you want to go the week, we got it all. Go to awesomeo.com slash join. Check that out. And if you do decide to sign up, go to uh, our premium Slack chat, sign up and join the community. You got people talking all sports, uh, DFS, betting, you name it, around the clock. Okay, wide receivers, Matt. Uh, last week we talked about guys like Keenan Allen coming in very chalky for obvious reason. His salary really just hasn't come up enough. He's still getting a lot of projected ownership this week, 21.8%. Tyler Lockett at 23%. See, people are starting to realize they just trade off in Seattle. One week it's Metcalf. The other week it's Lockett. One week it's Metcalf. This week maybe it's Lockett again. And then Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley at three and four. And then Moore and Anderson at five and six, respectively. So you've got of the top six projected owned wide receivers, four of them are from two different teams. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I think he might have updated this since um, Ridley might not play this week. So Julio Jones, I think, is probably going to come in maybe even a little higher owned than we're expecting. Just we'll have to wait on Ridley's status. But oh, we got an update thirty-seven minutes ago. Thank you. Okay. I don't, I don't well, what know was the sure. update? What's that? What's that? Was it yeah. an, are you saying it was an update on Ridley? No, on the ownership. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying it was an update on Ridley. I was like, do tell more. No, no. Uh, it looks like Alex, and sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Matt, but it's, it's important. It looks like Alex did update um, Ridley potentially being out, uh, which, is, which is pretty important. So, yeah, good stuff there. But yeah, I, we can talk about both because he was a top five projected owned player if he's in, and it makes a lot of sense. That's a, a pretty good matchup against Denver with a 50-point total, so people are going to want to play that game. Matt Ryan's not very expensive himself, so it leads to good stacks. If Ridley's out, Julio Jones should garner a little more ownership here, and he's kind of in the – it's basically at the top. All of these guys are in the same price range. It's Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, Lockett, 
Diggs, Hopkins, they're all within about 1.5K of each other. So I think it's going to lead to a, a flatter ownership structure. But do you guys think with the expensive receivers being the chalkiest of the bunch that we see like a chalky lineup construction because of this, there's no real value receiver up at the top. Kyle? Yeah, so I'm, I'm like thinking about it in my head right now. I think it would be a lot of, and I think it's going to be a lot of the obvious stacks. It's going to be a lot of Seattle versus Buffalo. And you cannot stack that game without playing, like if you're doing even a single stack and a run back, you are almost certainly playing double ex- modestly expensive like Tyler Lockett under 7K, but the rest of them like Diggs, DK Metcalf are all expensive. So you're spending a lot of money on quarterback receiver, opposing receiver. That probably means that's probably why we see like David Montgomery and David Johnson being even modestly popular plays, despite the fact that there's like slow, bad running back. So I do think it could be like a potential leverage spot to stack a game with cheaper wide receivers potentially. So yeah, I do actually think because every single chalk wide receiver is both chalk and expensive, there could be some leverage in maybe paying up, like paying up for a Derrick Henry who doesn't project to be super popular or or different constructions like that. So yes, I, I agree that I think overall construction does look condensed this week to expensive wide receivers. So we got the update too. I'm glad you pointed this out, Matt, because now Christian McCaffrey's coming in around like 10%. I still think that climbs personally. I I still think that climbs considerably. Uh, You can check the ownership out for yourself guys at at awesome.com. If you want, Uh, it's under the NFL DFS tab. The rest of the wide receiver position is, is, is a little strange, Matt. You've got, you've got Tyler Lockett, 68, so sub 7K, Keenan Allen at 7K flat, Julio 7,200. DeAndre Hopkins is the highest priced receiver on this slate. And then you've got DK Metcalf at 7,800. I'll tell you, if if you're looking at, if you're looking at Seattle wide receivers, just the two of these guys, it's really hard not to just go with the guy that's $1,000 cheaper and has the exact same blow-up potential as DK Metcalf as we've seen in back-to-back week, weeks from these guys. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. Tyler Lockett even has the larger target share on the year to this point. DK Metcalf is kind of just killing him in air yards. But 20-target right game will do that for you. <laughs> it certainly will. I mean, we saw a 20-target game out of Lockett two weeks ago. That's, and, well, that's what I was talking. That's why I say okay. it than target share, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Metcalf had a very voluminous game last week, too. I don't sure. know if the target shares in front of me but he saw like i feel believe it was 15, 15 targets yeah 15 targets for metcalf too so he's willing to just lock on to one of these guys i i think there's also the chance we see this split 10 and 10 in some weeks it's just a volatile situation but a very condensed target share overall making them both really strong plays rather than consider the price here i think the ownership break is something we should be looking at tyler lockett coming in north of 20 percent DK Metcalf right now is down at 5%, and it's certainly because of the prices here. But in a week where it looks like there's going to be some concentrated ownership of wide receiver, I think if you're staying in the same range, so this could be a situation where maybe you take a similar lineup construction to some of the chalky players, but instead of playing Lockett or Diggs or Julio, you play a lower owned DK Metcalf, and that could be a way you get your leverage. Kyle, I'm going to save some of these wide receivers uh, on some of these wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos on the same team for when we get to the stacks discussion in the final segment. So I'll ask you this, what are your, what are your some pivots, if any, that you like this week right now coming in at low ownership and Matt talked about it. There aren't a lot of great value guys up top. Sometimes we'll get injury news. Sometimes we'll get COVID news throughout the week. That'll blow everything up. uh, And and then we will have that type of value as of now. It doesn't stand, but are there any uh, low owned wide receivers you like? So I've got two, and I think they work specifically because of, of some maybe more popular plays. One, uh, Mike Williams, I think anytime we get Keenan Allen owned by a quarter of the field, I actually think Keenan Allen will probably still have a lot of Keenan Allen because I think if he's like he has a good chance of smashing and I want to have access to that. But I also think if he busts, it probably comes with a, a very large chance of Mike Williams having stolen two drives with long touchdowns, which we've seen before. So Mike Williams at less than you know 7%, only 5,100, I think is a really good play. And if I'm interested in Derrick Henry, which I actually am this week, Allen Robinson as like one of the true alpha number one wide receivers falls in the exact same price range as Allen Jones, Lockett, Diggs. If they're all going to be incredibly popular and see very similar target shares to Allen Robinson, I get it. His his quarterback is probably the worst out of all of those. Yeah, it's definitely the worst out of all of those guys I just named. 
but he gets so many targets that on an individual game, it may not matter. He's going to be roughly 5% owned. And I think it could be like, it sets up to be a potentially good game environment for them to be passing against Tennessee. So I think Allen Robinson in the same price range as all of the chalk correlating with Derrick Henry is actually one of like the really solid pivots on this slate. What about you, Matt? Yeah, so I do really like some low-owned wide receivers here. Just below, like, the 10% mark, I think if you want to get away from a chalky David Johnson, you have Will Fuller down there. It seems like we're talking all the expensive receivers, but, you know, even in a game where, in a similar situation, Minnesota's projected to play with a lead, they're going to run the ball. Say Detroit, like, just gets the opening kickoff scores, I think someone like Justin Jefferson could be some leverage in that same spot. That is a good game environment overall between... Minnesota and Detroit. And I don't know about you guys, but I think Justin Jefferson is the wide receiver one there over Thielen. Ooh, that's a bold call. Like the target shares in recent weeks indicate that. Yeah, I I, I guess they do. I, so what's the, what's the ownership right now? Thielen's at 9.5 and Jefferson's at 8.4. So pretty comparable. But Jefferson is also 6,100 compared to Thielen 6,700. So you're getting a discount there for sure. Thielen only has nine targets combined in the last two weeks. Wow. I will add that I think I saw that Jair Alexander was basically covering Jefferson for the majority of the game. So potentially other teams could also view like, like maybe other teams are telling us that same information that Justin Jefferson is yeah. number one, just like an interesting tidbit that I found like a, as a, as a tried and true film grinder, grinding the all 22, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Williams in the games that he's played this year uh, is in line for deep attempts or deep targets with, Tyree killing Calvin Ridley. That's how many he's seen. He has 14 in the games that he's played this year. Uh, over that same stretch, Ridley and Tyree kill lead the league with 15. And then Metcalf is tied with 14. Only five of those to, Met, uh, to Williams have been catchable, according to PFF. He's caught all five of them for two touchdowns. So uh, that doesn't surprise me that he has no drops on these passes. The guy, his catch radius is absurd. He comes down with pretty much anything that's humanly possible to catch. So uh, I think that's a solid one right there, Kyle. And I'll, I'll throw out, I don't know if one of you guys mentioned him. I was, I was reading chat. I missed a bit here. But Marvin Jones, same price as Mike Williams. He's coming in at a, at a steep ownership discount right now. His two, his first, or his only two really decent games of the season. I guess he had a decent one in week two. But uh, week seven and six combined 32 fantasy points. The target share isn't lovely, but it isn't really lovely for anyone. Scored twice last week, uh, assuming Kenny Galladay uh, doesn't play. And I've seen that he's a candidate to hit the IR. Marvin Jones definitely becomes appealing at 5,100 against that Minnesota defense in what could certainly be a high-scoring game. What do you guys say about tight end? I, I don't want to spend a ton of time here, Kyle, just because you don't naturally see a ton of chalk at the position. But... When you do see really chalky players at the position, it isn't uncommon that they bust. Smith last week, Darren Waller last week. If you got away from those guys, you felt pretty good about it. Travis, uh, Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, and Travis Kelsey are the only three guys projected for north of 10%. And Darren Waller's well above everyone up around 20 yeah, so I think maybe the, again, probably the one fade that I continue to think is fine enough is probably Darren Waller simply because he doesn't, like, he sees the same volume as Travis Kelsey, essentially. I think he's number one in target share, number two in targets, but he doesn't play on the same team. His team is good. They're not actually that bad, but I think I would basically exclusively use Darren Waller as, like, play him with, you know, play him with Justin Jackson or play him with my Justin Herbert stacks because I think just eating that, that 20% nearly ownership without finding any ways to be unique, any ways to increase the correlation in my lineups. I think that is probably a losing strategy. I think it's okay to play him if you heavily correlate him with the rest of your lineup. Otherwise I think you're just doing what the field does. And he has like a modest chance of busting. He gets a ton of targets, but they're also not that high leverage targets. He's not like, he's not Travis Kelsey essentially. So I think he's an okay fade. And if I play him, it is exclusively in lineups that, uh, that feature other like probably chargers players. Cause I don't think I'm stacking much Derek Carr. Hunter Henry, his ownership, it's not crazy. It's only 15%, but he's kind of the same situation where I think I'm just playing him in my Justin Herbert lineups and just another way that I think Justin Jackson gives you really good leverage. Looking down, like TJ Hawkinson led the team in targets in Detroit. I believe it was 10 targets. 
not, you know, not going to be super highly owned. He is expensive. That's probably the difficult problem is that at 5,100, like you can pay 700 more for Darren Waller. You can pay 1,100 less for Hunter Henry, but he could potentially, and it's only a one game sample. So we don't have a ton to work with. He could be the team's target leader while, while Kenny Galladay is out. And I would say there's almost no way Kenny Galladay plays. I think Rappaport already tweeted that it looks like a multi-week injury at best, a multi-week injury. So Hawkinson is a potential number one wide receiver against a terrible secondary in a game that should feature some points. His price is probably a bit egregious, but I think it's an okay spot specifically because of the game environment. The tight end position has been brutal, Matt, uh, virtually all season long. You do have a couple guys down there that could at least be worth having a conversation about. Uh, Mike Gusecki, by the way, that's it, what a disappointing campaign we've had from him. <laughs> Evan Ingram, though, uh, finally bounced back with a with a, a decent performance last time out. Uh, had a very long reception for the first time of the year, uh, but nevertheless, still only had five for sixty one. He has been targeted nineteen times over his last two games, though. We're projecting him for one percent ownership. Where are you going at tight end? We still have, you know, it's still midweek, so a lot of decisions to be made, a lot of moving parts here. But preliminary uh, thoughts at the position. If I'm not paying all the way up, I it's interesting to see some of the punt plays I really like coming with good ownership. I I mean, I was interested in Hunter Henry. I was interested in Hayden Hurst, assuming Calvin Ridley sits. I was interested in Fant. All of them are their top five were or higher at the position. I think if you're punting and you're looking for someone with low ownership, a couple situations I have my eye on. I really want to see who plays in Houston. I think you can get a really cheap, low-owned attachment to Deshaun Watson via the Houston Texans tight end. I think it'll be Jordan Akins if he's healthy, followed by, of course, I, I mean, actually, they, they activated Kahale Waring, or at least they intended to. So I'm not sure if he'll play over Darren Fells, but... That's a situation I have my eye on. Logan Thomas against the Giants. They've been brutal against tight ends. They've allowed a touchdown or 100 yards in their last three games to the position. That's another position you could look to. Kyle Allen's actually been able to get the ball to Logan Thomas, unlike Dwayne Haskins. So you could maybe look to him as a pivot, someone cheap. Okay. So we've got through uh, the, the chalk. We've got through some pivots. We haven't touched on quarterbacks yet. And the reason for that is we like to tie it in to, uh, to, the, to the top stacks. And we have a top stack tool at Awesome. It gives you, for those of you that you know are watching this show for the first time and you don't know how we look at this, the top stack tool gives you the probability that a stack will be the, the highest producing. So the top stack probability. Uh, and then you have the value column, right? And then you have the ownership. The projected ownership of the quarterback obviously correlates with the actual stack itself. So right now, Kyle... The highest top stack probability goes to three teams separated by 1% each, all of them north of 10%. Seattle uh, at Buffalo at 12%, Kansas City at Carolina, or versus Carolina at 11%, and Buffalo uh, versus Seattle at 10%. All of the quarterback ownership currently coming in at 7% or less, and you have to assume a lot of that has to do with these salaries. Yeah, I mean, it is difficult to build lineups around expensive, around expensive Russell Wilson, around expensive Patrick Mahomes. Worked but the last thing is, week, though, didn't it? Yeah, I was going to say the thing is, and it has kind of consistently worked. I know the Millie Maker was dominated in the first four or so weeks by like outside of Aaron Rodgers week one. It was like double Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson in the middle. Yep. And it, it was just that the spots that were obvious continued to hit. And they weren't getting incredible ownership. And potentially that's some of the people outsmarting themselves. Well, everyone's going to play Seattle Buffalo. I can't play Seattle Buffalo. But if everyone says that, then maybe you can. I do think it, it probably gets you into some of the chalky receivers like Russell Wilson, not incredibly high owned, but Tyler Lockett is. So when you look to target someone like Patrick Mahomes or, or Josh Allen, maybe the best way to do it. And I do think I'm actually going to be just in on these guys. Cause right now we don't have a lot of ownership, but the top stack tool says they're probably like these guys combined for uh, exactly one third of the chance of being the top like stack of the week. So I think my approach will be, especially in a lot of spots this week to simply stack the good plays and get different. Like I think the runbacks in Kansas city are so awesome between potentially Christian McCaffrey. Although I really do like Robbie Anderson this week, the runbacks in Seattle Buffalo are quite obvious and maybe you try and get different by building leverage with your running backs. But no, I don't, I don't hate any of the uh, top stacks because they're not projected to be the most popular stacks. They're still garnering some ownership, but it's in the middle range. Man, last week there was a lot of Kansas city that was lesser owned than I thought. I mean, the, yeah. the second highest play, owned player on the chiefs last week was, 
was Le'Veon Bell, Matt. So, yes, they got some ownership. And, and then the Chiefs were up there as well. But I'm looking at it now, you know, Tyreek Hill was around 17%. Kelsey was at 11%. Uh, Mahomes was 10.8%. Maybe that's high stack ownership, like aggregate stack ownership on an 11-game slate. But that's really not that bad, all things considered. And I think we have to look into that as, okay, maybe this team's going to be one of the highest owned stacks, but they also, and this is how you use this tool, they also have the highest top stack probability. So right now, the ownership projected, the projected stack ownership on Kansas City is considerably lower than the probability that they end up being the top stack on the week. And I think when these teams begin to get expensive and their value begins to decline, You'll see a lot of that because people don't want to pay for them. And if you paid for them last week, it paid off in spades. It did. And I think we were dealing with a slightly different situation. You know, Kansas City was playing the Jets. You could run back Denzel Mims for the men or Braxton Berrios, wherever you want. In this situation, if you're running Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey stacks, are you going to pay 7K for Robbie Anderson or 6K for DJ Moore? If you're running Seattle, are you going to pay 7K for, for Stefan Diggs? If you do that, you're going to be rostering Antonio Gibson, Justin Jackson, and J.K. Dobbins at your running backs or like Irv Smith at your tight end. So I I do think it's a little different. The opponents are a little bit better for some of these stacks. I'm not sure you can run the full game stack as easily this week with these situations. That's just how I my first inclination with it. I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I think it's going to be more challenging. Yeah, he brings up a good point, Kyle. So I just I just did something now, a little test here. I'm throwing in Mahomes, McCaffrey. Tyree kill. So that's your, uh, that, you got that right there. And then I'm just going to go real cheap at, at, at uh, defense. I'm just going to pick a team. I'll go Atlanta at 2,500. I think against Denver and Drew Locks, just complete unpredictability and inaccurate passing. That's not the worst idea either. If you go with Kelsey, you have $4,100 per player remaining for four players. That's brutal, which leads me to believe that some people might end up going to like a $3,200 Demarcus Robinson or something. Uh, we don't know Sammy Watkins' status quite yet. He remains questionable, but that might open things up for Robinson. Then you have some wiggle room, but Matt's Matt, right. It, it will be a lot tougher than last week where you could throw in Denzel Mims or, or Braxton Berrios. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think probably one of the things is um, it doesn't sound like McCaffrey works in your Mahomes stack. So I think maybe rule that one out. It's going to be tough. Uh, not- yeah, that would be particularly tough. So not and not quite a strong correlation either. And there are some cheap running back plays that you could really jam in. Like I, I think Justin Jackson is a good play. I think Matt Breida is a good play. So I think, yeah, maybe you should focus on looking the like actually the Josh Allen sacks probably make the most sense out of these because he actually does have like cheap secondary receivers. There are like you are really, really punting, especially with like like Russell Wilson. You are banking on a very un, Im, improbable David Moore touchdown or a Greg Olson touchdown. Whereas like Josh Allen, you can actually get pretty unique by playing John Brown or Cole Beasley, who have both played well at points this year. So I think if you're looking to go like full on game stack with some of these, that is probably the one you want to target the most. Otherwise you are just focusing on skinny stacks because like you said, you really can't like, you can't play, you just can't play a great lineup that features, you know, this week because of the pricing and the opportunity cost that is associated with them. It's difficult to play Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. You're probably getting to a Demarcus Robinson, and I think I'd rather look like a Josh Allen. So in my game onslaughts, it's probably a lot of Josh Allen. In my skinny stacks, I think it's a lot of Patrick Mahomes. Matt, give me a, a stack right now that that's not getting much ownership. You guys know, by the way, just disclaimer as I throw out there each week, you these are always going to be in flux throughout the week. They're they're the most accurate once we get closer to lock, closer to Sunday, because we have simply more information. Uh, but right now, the highest owned players, or the highest owned stacks, Houston is, matter of fact, coming in as the highest owned right now with, you know, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller and, and, and Deshaun Watson and even David Johnson, as we saw, getting a lot of ownership here. But there are a few teams that are pretty overlooked and there aren't a ton, there isn't a ton of ownership. Ownership gets very, very flat as far as these stacks look right now? Man, one I keep going back to on a weekly basis is this Kirk Cousins stack because it's cheap and the pass catchers are, it's a very condensed target share when they're actually throwing. It's a big if, whether they're going to throw a voluminous you know, pass rate or not. And in this game, they don't project to do so. But again, 
we don't always want the game script to go according to plan here. If Minnesota gets down to Detroit in this game, I think it could be a decent spot to target some Kirk Cousins and his pass catchers. You can do the same thing on the other side. I actually like the Matthew Stafford stacks a lot too. We'll have to wait how that shakes out, but I think it's going to be Marvin Jones leading the receivers there. TJ Hawkinson, a nice secondary option as well. That should come in low owned. So I like that Minnesota Detroit game. I keep going back to, uh, to Matthew Stafford too. Uh, coming in low owned each week. And the one thing about that is that these guys are just really discounted. And like Marvin Hall could end up, Kyle, Marvin Hall, I don't want to get too excited about it, but we both agree that it looks like it's a extended injury for Kenny Galladay. And like I said, a, a true candidate to land on the IR. Marvin Hall had, you know, seven for 113 last week, nearly found the end zone. It's really his only quality game of the season. But Marvin Jones is cheap. TJ Hawkinson is at least someone that gets opportunities uh, in the end zone. <sighs> Stafford finally threw 40 plus times last week. I want to believe that eventually the stack is going to go off. I just don't know when it's going to happen if it is. Yeah, the reason I'm not looking as you is because I'm trying to find – I have some Marvin Hall tweets. If you look up my name and you find – and you look up Marvin Hall adjacent <laughs> to it, like he's a guy who actually is like – I think he's fine. Like he's actually a decent like field-stretching receiver. He seems like every time he gets on the field, which is once every eight games, he catches a long – or a long touchdown. In this case, it was I think a 70-yarder that set up a Marvin yeah. Jones touchdown. Like the five-yard yeah, man, I, uh, I I really like Marvin Hall. He's just like a super downfield burner that that's his only useful skill set in the NFL. But if he's going to see seven looks under that under the premise of that skill set, actually maybe an intriguing option, deep, deep, deep intriguing option, only like Millie Maker level plays. But I actually do think uh, like the Stafford sacks are so interesting because it is so cheap and it allows you to play the other good plays of the slate at low ownership. So it allows you to comfortably eat some of the chalk while getting really unique with a very fine stack. Like it's not like going to a crazy Jake Lutton stack. Like we saw last week, if they do manage to get down, it is like it's lights out. They're going to throw a ton. So I like the Stafford sacks. I think we're all in agreement on that. Yeah. And you, like you said, you can run it back with whether it's Dalvin cook or whoever you want, some really great plays from Minnesota. Uh, and then on top of that, get in some great, if you wanted to go with some good chalk plays, whether it be James Conner, uh, whoever else at, at any position, it's going to open things up. By the way, accuracy, thank you for the super chat. $20 super chat. He says, hi, guys. Got first place last Monday, primetime games in the $5 and 120K. I only did 54 lineups. I watch your streams weekly and wanted to send some for you guys as a thank you. Well, we really appreciate that, man. Congratulations. Kyle, and you're going on to Jersey, by the way. I don't know if you know how that works, accuracy, but every single super chat in our shows goes on the Iverson jersey as our token, my token specifically, of appreciation. Kyle, do you have a low-owned team that you like as a stack right now that isn't getting much ownership? Yeah, so I, I have at least a passing amount of interest. Actually, I have a lot of interest in Carolina. I know the Kansas City matchup is difficult. They're actually a really, really impressive defense. But this game features feature a lot of, like, expects to feature a ton of points it lets you play this game in a unique way because we have such low ownership on Teddy Bridgewater. And I get like, it didn't look good in uh, in that game versus Atlanta, but the stacking options are so obvious on the Kansas city side. They're obvious because it's Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. And on his team, we are seeing such incredible market share numbers from DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, specifically Robbie Anderson, who's now picking up in terms of the air yards percentage. He's coming close to DJ Moore. So I think the the stacking options are quite condensed on both sides of the field. The Carolina side is super cheap. And right now our stop, our top stacks tool has them. I think it's top five. It's number six. It is not technically top five. It is the number six probability of being one of the top stacks. They're incredibly cheap and they're going to be low owned. Like that's everything I look for. You, you tell me those things and I'm playing them. All right, Matt, final thoughts as we hit that midway point for the week, still a long way to go. Uh, if you're trying to, throw some foresight into week nine slate. What are the decisions you're making right now that can differentiate you from the field? And not only that, what are some spots that you say, I don't really care if they're chalk, I'm getting there anyway. Final thoughts, wrap us up for this uh, ownership show. Yeah, some of the spots I don't really care as much about chalk are going to be the running backs in good spots. It's James Conner, it's Dalvin Cook, and uh, there's a couple other guys we mentioned throughout the show that I'd be okay eating the chalk with as well. I also think that could get you a little bit contrarian based on where we're seeing the expensive receivers come in, the expensive quarterbacks. It looks like people are going to try to stack those top signal callers. So if you play maybe Dalvin Cook and McCaffrey in the same lineup, that could naturally lead you to just a more con- 
contrarian build overall. Guys, don't forget all of our shows available in podcast form. If you want to watch them somewhere else, or sorry, you want to listen to them somewhere else. Maybe you're doing something, your phone's in your pocket. You don't have a premium YouTube account. So every time you close it, it stops playing. Uh, Check it out. Uh, iTunes, wherever you want any podcast platform, uh, we are available there. So it's just another way to check it out. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, it's entirely free. Uh, It's good for everyone. We're trying to get up to that 50K mark. It's going to be a huge day when we do, and we're going to do some really big stuff. So hopefully you'll stay tuned for that. And uh, hit that thumbs up button if you do enjoy the show. It helps us continue to do free content like this. And we appreciate all of your guys' support. Awesome most subs. We're just people that come in and hang out with us every day in YouTube and spend part of the day with us. Follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski on Twitter. Kyle at Kyle Tweets here. Myself at Lafayette underscore D. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And Awesome at Awesome underscore com. Have a good day, guys.